Welcome, and thank you for joining us for today's CME podcast. PrimeMed podcasts are dedicated to providing on-the-go clinicians with pertinent, evidence-based primary care content that won't take too much time out of your busy schedule. Information about CME credits and faculty for today's podcast can be found within this activity's landing page on primemed.com slash podcast. That's pri-med.com slash podcasts. Be sure to also go to this location in order to claim your CME credits after the program. Thank you and enjoy. Hello, and welcome to PrimeMed's podcast series on pneumococcal immunization for adults. This is the third and final episode of the series. We welcome Dr. Robert Hopkins, Professor of Internal Medicine and Pediatrics, and the Chief of the Division of General Internal Medicine at the University of Arkansas for Medical Sciences College of Medicine. The learning objective of this podcast is Implement Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices Recommendations for Administration of Pneumococcal Vaccines in Adults with Comorbidities Ages 18 to 64. Before we get started, let me remind everyone that this podcast is supported by an independent educational grant from Merck & Company Incorporated. For more information, please visit the activity page for this podcast on www.primed.com. Hello, this is Dr. Robert Hopkins uh, giving a podcast on common adult pneumococcal vaccination scenarios. Pneumococci, Streptococcus pneumoniae, are a common bacteria that is present in our environment. These bacteria tend to colonize the nasopharynx of humans and cause millions of respiratory infections worldwide. When an individual has pneumococci in their nasopharynx and they cough or sneeze, those pneumococcal organisms can be spread via airborne droplets and can pass to others who inhale them into their nasopharynx. The most common infections associated with pneumococcal bacteria are caused by direct spread, otitis media and sinusitis. But pneumococci can also cause serious infections when they violate anatomic and immune system barriers. These serious infections include bacteremia, pneumonia, and meningitis. Pneumococcal infections occur in individuals of all ages. There are over 140 pneumococcal serotypes, and many of those cause disease in humans. Interestingly, the serotypes causing disease vary somewhat from one area of the world to another, and the strains causing disease have changed over decades and with vaccination. We have two vaccines that have been demonstrated effective in producing community immunity and individual infection. Uh, The two that we use in the United States are PCV13, pneumococcal conjugate vaccine 13 serotypes, and PPSV23, pneumococcal polysaccharide vaccine 23 serotypes. The Advisory Committee of Immunization Practices to the Centers for Disease Control provides annual updates to vaccination schedules that provide our roadmap to vaccine protection of adults, adolescents, and children in the United States. Childhood vaccination against pneumococcal uh, organisms provides dual benefits. It helps to reduce childhood infections, but high childhood vaccination rates also provide the basis for a community immunity to pneumococci. The routine childhood immunization schedule against pneumococci includes four doses of PCV13 vaccine for children who should be administered before 18 months of age. 
In highest-risk children who are two years of age and older, they should receive one dose of pneumococcal polysaccharide vaccine also. Adult vaccination primarily results in individual benefit to the adult who's vaccinated. It reduces adult pneumococcal infections. The adult recommendations are quite complex regarding timing, risk, and counseling, and adults may need between zero and one doses of PCV13 in their adult life, and one to three doses of PPSV23. We use shared decision-making for uh, the decision whether to give conjugate vaccine to adults 65 and older, and that's a new and challenging concept I've addressed in another podcast in this series. So if we think about the adult pneumococcal vaccine recommendations, I divide adults into four different groups. The first group is the simplest. It's adults 19 to 64 years of age without high-risk conditions. These adults are not at increased risk of pneumococcal disease, and they don't need pneumococcal vaccination until they fit into one of the other three groups I'm going to describe. Second group are adults 19 to 64 years of age with increased risk medical conditions, but not at highest risk. These include all adults with alcoholism, all who smoke cigarettes, all who have diabetes mellitus, adults with heart disease, including coronary artery disease and heart failure, but not isolated hypertension, all adults with liver disease, all adults with lung disease, including asthma and COPD. All of the adults in this group warrant one dose of PPSV23, the pneumococcal polysaccharide vaccine, and then they require no additional doses of pneumococcal vaccination until they, until or unless they develop a highest risk medical condition or get to age 65 years of age. In these folks that uh, are vaccinated and are after age 65, they will need one additional dose of PPSV23 at least five years after this initial dose, as long as that's after age 65. Our third group are our adults 65 and older who are at high risk due to age. These adults uh, need to have pneumococcal polysaccharide vaccine for certain, but we also need to implement shared decision-making to decide whether they also need PCV13 vaccine. In general, adults 65 and older who have increased risk uh, may need PCV13 more than the whole population of adults 65 and older if they live in congregate housing situations and if they have uh, low rates of pneumococcal vaccination of children in their area, those would be prime considerations for giving PCV13 to an adult 65 and older. In adults 65 and older, if you give both PCV13 and PPSV23, they need to be separated by one year, and it's best to give PCV13 first. And our final group is our adults 19 years of age and older who have highest risk conditions. This highest risk group includes persons who have anatomic risks for pneumococcal meningitis. That would be patients who have CSF leaks or cochlear implants. And this highest risk group also includes those at highest risk due to immune compromise. Immune compromise may be as a result of medications uh, that we're treating a patient with. Patients on sustained courses of uh, steroids, uh, prednisone equivalent, 20 milligrams a day for more than two weeks patients on biologic immune modulators, patients on chemotherapy. Uh, All of these patients are immune compromised and need highest degree of pneumococcal protection. All of our patients who have systemic malignancies, 
All of our patients who are receiving cancer chemotherapy are at highest risk during the time that cancer is active and we're treating them. All patients who have transplants of organ, bone marrow transplant, or stem cells are at highest risk for pneumococcal infections. All patients who have inherited or acquired immune deficiency are at highest risk. All patients who have sickle cell disease and other hemoglobinopathies and patients with splenectomy are at highest risk. And finally, all of our patients with nephrotic syndrome and end-stage renal disease are at highest risk for pneumococcal infections. All of these highest risk patients need a dose of pneumococcal conjugate vaccine, PCV13, as early as possible in their diagnosis, followed at least eight weeks later by a dose of PPSV23, and then they will need booster doses of PPSV23 up to two more times, at least five-year intervals, uh, and the determination of whether they need additional doses is based on the age at which you give their first PPSV23. So why are we making determinations about different vaccination schedules? Well, we know that the relative risk for invasive pneumococcal infections varies quite a bit. The invasive pneumococcal disease risk in children is between 2 and 15 cases per 100,000. In adults 65 and older, that risk is between 18 and 20 cases per 100,000. Patients with diabetes, COPD, and heart failure have a risk between 10 and 50 cases per 100,000. Patients with rheumatoid arthritis have a risk that's about 70 cases per 100,000. And patients with hematologic malignancy, untreated HIV, and stem cell transplants have between 150 and 600 cases per 100,000. So extremely high risk for pneumococcal infections. So all of our patients with chronic medical conditions without immune suppression uh, need PPSV23. All of our patients at highest risk need PCV13 followed eight weeks later by PPSV23. And our adults 65 and older need shared decision making about PCV13 followed by uh, PPSV23 a year later. Now the group that I think often does not get discussed enough are our patients who have behavioral risk. All of our patients who have alcoholism and smoke cigarettes are at increased risk for invasive pneumococcal disease. We should consider that many patients we see in our practice who smoke cigarettes or smoke use alcohol to excess, we need to work with them to quit these risky behaviors, but that's often a long-term battle. If we give them PPSV23 vaccination to reduce their invasive pneumococcal disease while we're working on their cessation, that's a good start. I'm commonly asked the question whether marijuana smoking is a risk for invasive pneumococcal disease. At the time of this recording, there's not uh, evidence, but hopefully we will get some of that in the near future. So patients with chronic medical conditions without immune suppression, diabetes, heart disease, liver disease, and lung disease need PPSV23, much as our patients with alcoholism and cigarette smoking do. So let me give you a few examples from my clinic last week to put a face on these recommendations. I saw John, who's a 62-year-old physician with hyperglycemia on labs in the hospital. He came in to see me for follow-up. We diagnosed him with new-onset diabetes mellitus based on elevated blood sugar and an elevated A1C. I had him see our nutritionist to talk about diabetic diet. We talked about uh, exercise. We talked about stress management and other things to treat his diabetes. 
We also gave him PPSV23 to reduce his risk of invasive pneumococcal infections. Patients with diabetes have a risk of pneumococcal infections that's two to six times as high as their age-matched age peers. I also saw Annie, who's a 55-year-old nurse with a past gastric bypass who came into established care with me. She was found to have non-alcoholic fatty liver disease based on labs and a follow-up liver ultrasound. Again, we had her visit with our nutritionist to talk about diet and work on weight loss. Uh, we talked about exercise, we screened her for hepatitis, and we gave her PPSV23 to reduce her risk of invasive pneumococcal infections. Depending on her hepatitis screen, she may also may need hepatitis A and hepatitis B vaccination. And finally, I saw Hank, who's a 22-year-old who was in for evaluation of chronic cough. Spirometry in the office demonstrated expiratory flow obstruction relieved by inhaled beta agonists consistent with asthma. We started him on an asthma controller, worked on an asthma treatment plan, and gave him PPSV23 vaccination to reduce his risk of invasive pneumococcal infections. So to wrap up, for our adults 18 to 64 with chronic medical condition without immune suppression, we need to think about those with behavioral issues, cigarette smokers and those who use alcohol to excess. We also need to remember our patients with medical conditions, diabetes, chronic heart disease, lung disease, and liver disease. All of these patients need PPSV23. After age 65 years, we'll need to also have a discussion about whether we give them PCV13 and a second dose of PPSV23 after age 65 and at least five years after the first dose. And all of us as primary care and specialty physicians and other licensed healthcare workers have an important opportunity to improve our patients' lives by immunizing them against pneumococcal disease. Thank you for your time and attention. To obtain your CME credit, please visit primed.com and complete a short post-assessment. If you listen to this podcast on another platform, please refer to the episode description, where there is a direct link to the activity page on primed.com for claiming CME credit. We thank you again for joining Primed for today's podcast. Remember to claim your CME credits for the program on this activity's landing page on primed.com slash podcast. That's pri-med.com slash podcasts. Also, be sure to check out all of our other podcasts and primary care activities on primed.com as well. See you next time.